welcome to the after film discussion of Never Let Me Go at Mini Cine. Neve from Lee's Book Club is here with us. Tell us about what your book club came out with well, after reading this and have they seen the film? Yeah, the vast majority of us have because yeah. the book has been out for, for quite a while. In fact, I, I read it first in 2010 and yeah. did a review for it. Um, and at the time, it's probably worth saying, I thought that it was you know, an impossible fantasy. I'm actually far more inclined to think this is the future that we're heading towards <laughs> now. Um, for um, LBC Dystopia, which is a book club that specifically reads Misery. Um, <laughs> we uh, very recently, a couple of months back, we read, and for many of us, it was a reread of Never Let Me Go. And we were partly looking at it to sort of expand the, because this is a, for me, this is a very clear dystopia, but there are mm. people for whom the definition is sometimes not as flexible as, as we okay. like to, to make it. And the other reason that we wanted to watch it is because it was such a hype book and such a hype film. When they came out, we wanted to see after the test of time, how does it stand? And um, it was a really well-received book, given that it's very sparse and very minimalist in terms of the social context it provides mm. for everything that we see. We had a really involved discussion, and we, you know, we, we get stuck in, which for me is the mark of a good book, yeah. uh, and also I would say a good film. Do you think that you could get stuck into the film then after you saw it? Well, I'm one of the ten people on the planet who adores Kira Knightley. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, not that she's <laughs> pretending to be a bounty hunter. That's just inadvertently <laughs> hilarious. But I genuinely think she's a really compelling actor. Um, and I think I was defensive the first time that I saw the uh -huh. film. I was like, she's very good, actually. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and now watching it this way, I mean, for however long that was on, just under two hours, I sat in complete silence. And this is a film I've seen three or four times mm. already. You know, there, I'm not always... I mean, I'm sure that I'm coming across as really calm and measured, but I don't always portray that in my real life. And so to be absolutely just immersed in, mm -hmm. in a film like that for me, I think it's a really good sign. Okay. Especially if you come out of it and, and still have opinions and, yeah. you know, rather than was just dozing. <laughs> what about you? I thought it was amazing. I haven't read the book. Has anybody else in here read the book? You've seen it before. Right? I've seen it before, but I've not read the book. You're reading it right now. I started reading it, but uh, you were well, quick enough. Yeah. Um, Four or five years, he'll come back to us with an <laughs> I'm terrible at reading. I'm in awe of people who can read a book in a day. <laughs> so, is it faithful to the book? Well, I'm wearing a T-shirt um, on <laughs> yeah, the book. I, I came with my battle colours on, and yes. it's a book that declares I'm better than the movie. And in this specific instance, I think my t-shirt is right. I think the book okay. is better than the film. But in general, I actually don't think there's a binary on how you tell stories. I think the fact that we're moving into a society where a book can become a film, a play, a radio play, an mm -hmm. album, or a sculpture in the middle of a sheep field somewhere because that's what it inspired. I think that's a really brilliant, mm -hmm. um, brilliant time. I really like the film, but whereas within the book there's a non-linear structure, I think the film removes a lot of the, the mystery or suspense by opening in the way that it does with Tommy on the table and Kathy yes. looking. Um, whereas with the book, 
how will they get come back together will they get you know be, be a part of one another's lives that's what's keeping you reading so for me I think that I, I tend to tick that off as a weakness slightly um, but I, I am aware that it's just a different difference in approach um, there are some gaps that I find really significant uh, I was just joking when we were heading out for the coffee that it irritates me every time I watch it that the Irish couple just disappear. Yeah. Every time. I'm like, she... thank you for providing your useful rumour and speculation. Now go bugger yeah. off and be dead somewhere. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to come across as the insensitive one when we're talking about harvesting human e But you know, you're kind of going, come on, dudes. That was... Um, I find I find that to be lacking. I find yeah. the lack of any, you know, any of the other characters from the school to come forward. I think it, it whereas the book is very contained, it's contained in a really specific way. Whereas this just really has a very sh a small palette of characters mm -hmm. to to choose from. Um, Do you find anything more about in the book about the people they are modelled on? Is that true? Are, are they modelled on well, kind of the what they deem to be? the lower end of society or something like that. Well, this is something that's really interesting because the book provides you with no social context. You have no idea about race, age. I mean, I know they all sound like the poshest of the posh mm. here, but um, we don't actually know any of that. And that's brilliant because it allows you to believe in the central premise, which is mm. that we're breeding children to tear them apart to extend our own lives. In the film, they provide a lot more external context and I actually think it takes from the central premise mm. because when you see how people are a little fearful of them or a little bit like, ugh, you're sat in our cafe and all the rest of it, it makes you wonder, how are they able to go out like free range chicken and, mm. you know, and, and that kind of thing? So I, for me, I think that's probably the biggest weakness of the film is that I can just buy into it in the book because all we're given is Kathy and, and Tommy and, and um, Ruth. Whereas in this, we are provided with a lot more. Mm. Um, so you're kind of going, why, is, why are the hospital nurses not going, don't go talk to any of the other patients? Mm. And you know, and stuff like that, that I, I, really enjoyed, <laughs> I really enjoyed the film, don't get me wrong. But those are yeah. the things that when I, yeah, when I popped out. out, I was like, there are details that within the book are tr tr uh, treated differently. Then I yeah. think it just, it just pips it to the post a little bit there. Do you think, with book and this is open to everybody. With book adaptations to film, that what is the job? It can never be the book, obviously, because one, the most powerful thing is your own imagination when you're reading a book, and then there's also interpretation, and everybody's is slightly different. Is it the job of the filmmaker to just think this is a great story? It'll make a great film. Let's take the car plot and the car emotions and put them on a screen, or is it? Is it to replicate, or is it to kind of ask questions or gather a tone? What What do you think? What do you think? What do you think first, and then we'll um, open it up. I think that is the that's the core of the either or argument. Mm -hmm. Are you looking? Either the book or the film mm. is telling the story best. Either the book or the film depicts the characters best, portrays the world, mm -hmm. and captures the tone. And um, I think in in this case, this was a a book that really caught the the filmmakers i mean from the casting like little kathy to uh, yeah that, i mean that was spot on those three little children were done so well charlotte ramping you know the way mm. they had her be that little bit more stylish so that when they aged her up at the end that it had impact and, and stuff like that i thought that was like incredibly well done and it's a labor of love mm. 
but they were satisfied to take the core themes yeah. and transfer them. They've made the necessary changes to make it flow. Yeah. Um, you can be too faithful mm, um, yeah. to, to a story. Where then it staggers in the film version. Mm. Anybody else got examples of maybe adaptations that they've enjoyed or haven't enjoyed that you can think of? I was going to mention about like when you try to be too faithful to films, mm. like I really enjoyed no country for old men yeah but there is that point at the end where it worked quite well in the book but in the film if anyone everybody's in no country for old men yeah so there's the bit where the um the main character like just rocks up dead which in the book kind of works but then in the film it's almost like no like they just false flag it kind of then puts like yeah the knocks the wind out of the sails of the film kind of thing so then like the last like 20 minutes is just a bit Mm. One of my go-tos is Watchmen. I was just oh. about to mention that as well. That's, yeah. Watchmen was awful. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's brilliant. Watching, Watching Queen of the That Dance. sex scene is one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in my life. I thought, like, I feel like it's I'm a like 14 year old boy watching. It was horrid. It was horrid. <laughs> I guess, again, the comedy one's an interesting one. failing of the Watchmen because they... They were so apart from some the, the end large end plot points towards the end. Changes hugely. Um, was a massive change, but apart from that, they were incredibly faithful. Um, to almost yeah. To merit or to detriment. Uh, to Go. the detriment. Yeah. I think that was the big problem with the film is mm. that they tried to basically replicate what was in the graphic novel onto the screen mm. and what works in still images is ludicrous when translated yes. to live actors. Also, so. it's kind of just trying to balance everybody's, yeah. pleasing everybody, about yeah. it because some, yeah. when the comic book is so big, particularly yeah. with comics, mm. adaptations, you kind of like, oh, there's this whole fan base that are like, know these characters and stories inside out, probably have written their own fan fiction mm. towards yeah. it. And therefore, well, let's be really faithful. Is that going to get us fans or is it not? And, and their film that I think does the opposite is um, Matilda. Like, I grew up with Roald oh, Dahl's I loved, Matilda. I love the film and the She book. is English to me. Yeah. Her family is English. The Wormwoods are an English family going through English stuff. And yet the film which translocates um, Matilda to an American setting, Danny DeVito becomes her father and so on. I think it's fantastic. Mm. And I think for an American film predominantly being released in America, it mm. made more sense, but I would have been perfectly happy to have had it, you know, have it retain that, but it didn't lose anything in, in yeah. the telling of it. Yeah, because I think the term with Matilda is that you still, there is this, uh, the British humour hasn't gone, or there's this kind of like, that darkness that Roald Dahl can often capture, still is there, despite it meant to be a family film, which can often get lost in translation, particularly yeah. with American interpretations, mm. which I thought was interesting. Most recently, I thought Carol was incredible, and I, I read the book before I saw the film. And I felt everyone I spoke to that hadn't read the book or watched the film enjoyed it, but didn't actually believe their chemistry very much. Where I thought, oh my god, the, this is spot on, and it's conveying so much that it, they're internalizing parts of the characters from the book that you you would pick up on if you'd read it. And um, so when I re who I knew that sorry who read the book thought it was great and very very realistic mm. but also kind of looked at different things and they changed a couple of character things that really fit it um because in the book Teresa's character is like a set designer well she aspires to be a set designer for the stage and in the film she's a aspiring photographer and this idea of photography and kind of focusing focusing in on someone and infatuation and kind of spying and down a lens and not seeing anything else kind of like 
falling in love. I thought that was really, really it was, good. It was a good change. Wasn't yeah, it's it? a good change. Yeah, yeah. I think you read the book as well, yeah, and it's yeah, in the I film. Read the book. Yeah, and Highsmith as well, it's like, oh, we're going near Highsmith, can you actually get her menace and her, the, I don't know, this amazing writing, amazing characters. Um, and I actually watched Talent and Mr. Ripley again last night. Mm. And again, I haven't read Talent and Mr. Ripley, but I still felt Highsmith's kind of There's a vicious tone. Piece. I think tone's a thing for me. If mm. I get the tone, then I can be in it. And I think, I think a good film adaptation from the book is it drives you back to the book, and the book drives you back to the film because you just kind of want to be in the world. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I think it's part of the inherent conversation. The order that you come to something um, shouldn't be as important yeah. as it is. Like, you should be able to pick up a book regardless of whether you've seen the film and have that be your, your favourite version regardless of yeah. which came from. Yeah. But it, it really doesn't. I mean, mm. I think one of my... One of my favourite films from, um, this was when my brother and dad went away and my mum and I had a girly weekend and we opened with fried green tomatoes uh, at the Whistle Stop Cafe and it will forever be one of my favourite films. I think it's perfectly done. Um, and then I read the book and I was totally torn by how much more vivid and real and three-dimensional the world was and yet the book wasn't automatically my favourite mm. um, and so I was like well it's because I've seen it first and so on and, and now I'm, I'm quite comfortable with going they occupy very equal but mm. different spheres and I couldn't choose between the two of them now but everyone I know that watches the film first then reads the book loves both but if you read the book and then watch the film you always mm, didn't quite you know it's, 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 it's weird but I think it plays a part though there was a movie that um, I started watching which was Perfume Story of the yes, yes I was kind of halfway through and kind of um, texting a friend and he's like oh you have to stop watching it now you have to stop watching it read the book first mm -hmm. and then go back to it so I've stopped watching it <laughs> <laughs> now the movie's no longer on I think it was on BBC. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. oh no. Some kind of stuck because, yeah. You're in limbo. Like, yeah. Well, so you still haven't seen the, the rest of the film yet? No. I mean, oh, wow. does it bother you that your friend is a bit of a snob? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to ask actually, because is, no, is there a stigma? It's like, there's this idea like, oh, have you read the book though? Because you know, so we can all watch a film in two hours. Thing where, where when you read a book, you you know, like you said, you have your own imagination. Yeah. You kind of fill mm. it all in, and then you kind of see what somebody else does with it. So I, you know, if I wanted to watch the whole whole of the film, I would have just yeah. watched it. But I kind of thought, mm, actually, because I didn't realise there was a book, so yeah, I actually kind of yeah, I just want to go and see because the film is very visual. You know, mm. you kind of yeah. Smelling part of it is, is made very visual, so Quite it's kind of like I really just want to go and read what somebody writes around it. Yeah. And, then... and to be fair, when the book was released, it was called a, a book that was unfilmable because they said, How could you possibly mm -hmm. depict his sensory exploration of the world uh -huh. on film? And it, you know, the, it, it did take some time, I think, before they went, This is the. I mean, Ben Wishaw, it was, it was a, I think. Read the book, watch the film. Yeah, you can yeah. do them all whatever order you want. <laughs> My counterpoint to that, though, is always with something like, I think it's fine with um, literary books. People mm -hmm. will go, oh, no, you must read the book first. But can you imagine like doing a spot test before people were arriving to see Ant-Man? Have you read the 30 years of history <laughs> in the comics? I'm sorry, sir, you can't take your eight-year-old in to see The Hobbit. He hasn't read it. And he's not familiar with the 13 hard-form books of appendices that Tolkien released afterwards. This is just not going to work. Where's you know? your book receipt? 
I can't let you in. I think it's just different experiences. Exactly. Just giving up. Yeah. And, you know, life yeah. just happens and it happens. Mm. So, same as, you know, whatever you come to first is what you come to first. Mm. There are some. Sorry, I was going to say, I, I kind of think the, the whole book versus film thing is almost a bit of a, a sort of false dichotomy, really, because it's, they're, they're two entirely separate mm -hmm. mediums and they are for different purposes. Like, you know, the two aren't interchangeable. Yeah, they may be telling the same story, but you won't get the same experience. You know, even if it is like the most faithful adaptation possible, it's a very different experience watching a film to reading a book. And, you know, sometimes you want to watch a film, sometimes you want to yeah. read a book, and they, they are totally different things. Yeah, you'll get more enjoyment, I think, if you just accept yeah. that. Yeah. I remember with um, a little, I'm, I'm not extremely very well read, but I did read The Hunger Games. <laughs> Excellent. And um, <laughs> I, I saw the film before I saw before I read the book, and I didn't know anything about it. And I was working at a cinema at the time, and there was a staff show, and I thought, oh, what the heck is this? And I went to see it, and I thought, oh, you know, this is all right. It's aimed, aimed at teens, isn't it? And it's quite interesting, and it's 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 quite sad. And I, then I was intrigued about the book, and I read the book, and I thought, oh, I can't wait to watch the film again because I've read the book, and I think the book's actually quite good. And then I watched the film and I was like, this is shit. <laughs> this is so shit. Like, they've cut out so much. And it's just really interesting <laughs> to see how, like, because the film at first was my complete point of story. I didn't know anything. And it's, uh, and also, I'll also end up to Twilight. I'm not really a fan. I think they're actually terribly written books and awful <laughs> ideas. But um, somebody wanted to write that, so there she goes. But I saw the first film, again, being completely ignorant to what the hell it was. I thought it was this little indie film about a vampire. And I had no idea what it was Gosh, about. And I saw like, the last showing, because there was like, three people there. I'm like, this is just like a little indie film no one's come to see. And the director's Catherine Hardwick, and she's done like, an independent film called 13. I thought, cool, cool. And well, actually, the film's Wood, quite okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, then I thought, oh. Um, and then I read the book and I thought, this is awful. Diabolical. This is awful. And then I just, and then I thought, oh, this is interesting. I don't know, it's just like, I guess it's just interesting about fandom and how that plays in. No worries, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned Twilight because as much as I've come out and said, I don't think that, you know, you should necessarily look for one to be better than the other. I think that is one where the films <laughs> yeah. are just yeah. staggeringly better than the books, except mm. for the final film. Um, and I have this thing that I did not do in 2015, and I'm going to try and not do it in 2016, but sometimes I can get a little bit tipsy. And I'll oh, yes. do a synopsis run-through of any Twilight film that you give me. Um, and it is usually very entertaining, I have been told, if somewhat <coughs> blue. Um, <laughs> But you, you work your way through the Twilight films and you can see the care that went into them, particularly with the second film when they decided they were going to tonally and visually change the Seattle. Like, it became a very sunshiny yellow place mm. from the second film onwards, which you're like, it was of course what I've heard Seattle is all about. Mm. Um, and then by the last film, they have a CGI baby whose head moves independently to the face inside it. It's bad. You almost watch these films. This is like a camp classic. If you like Showgirls or Queen of the Damned or anything that where decent actors absolutely toss themselves over, yeah. then this is the film for you. It's amazing. <laughs> that final one in particular. The end of the big battle in the book, like there's this huge political conversation in the film, there's a dream sequence. Basically, they all like meet and go, ah, you're right, she's a cute baby, and they go home. 
That is true. So you're like, at least in the film, they had the dream sequence yeah. where you could pretend there was something like action. I'm getting caught up in the Twilight thing. We need to show. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone got a book that they've read that they kind of think they'd like it to be a film or can imagine it as a Because I, I feel like when you read a book, it's almost like a film playing out in your head a little bit. Does anyone like kind of like become the casting director of their book? Like, yeah, they could play that. Has anyone got one in mind? Are we all owning up that we don't have time to read? (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a, yeah, one of my favorite books um, ever hasn't been written Mm -hmm. on. And I'm a big film book, so. Okay. Yeah, when I read a book, I'll I'll see if the author's been kind of uh, adapted. Yeah, what, what book the book's was... called um, Island People. Oh, Island um, People, yeah. Yeah, by Coleman Dowell. Um, it's quite kind of the experimental um, novel, but it's um, it's kind of a ghost a ghost story. Mm. I think it would make a good good film. Um, it's quite. Do you feel precious about the book, though? Do you think? Um, n- no, I'm I'm all for adaptation. Yeah. And I kind of see them as like conversations. You know, yeah. W- ways of like kind of looking at other artworks and yeah. kind of um, like collaborating. I guess uh, yeah. I, I like I like adaptations of books. I'm, I'm kind of all for it. Really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm the opposite. I t- I tend not to read something and think this should be a film. Mm. But if I watch a bad adaptation of something, then it's almost like I demand they redo that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, uh, like uh, at this point, I, f- I feel like generationally, we're done with Pride and Prejudice now. Aside from, the fact, aside from the fact stop. that our generation, you and I, and, and uh, certain other ladies in the room, I would say, it's done. It was Colin Firth in 1995 <laughs> on the BBC, Pride it's and true. Prejudice. They don't need, they can leave it for 20 years now. What we don't need to do is see stumbly, kiss-involving American films, which don't, I think, inherently understand the story, while there are aspects of that film I really enjoy, I just think it wasn't quite Mm. spot on. Um, I enjoy playing with the medium and having something like Bride and Prejudice, um, set in a more Bollywood environment, but I have to admit there's a slight, you know, purist element in me that's a bit more like, no, we should find a story set in your part of the world and make that as prominent over here rather than necessarily have yeah. to transplant everything. I mean, this is just one specific example because now there's Pride and Prejudice with zombies. And I just, yeah. while I feel like this is really what Jane Austen intended for her novel characters to do, <laughs> uh, she wrote it like seven other novels. We could try and, actually they have, haven't they? Is it Sense and Sensibility and Sea Serpents or something? I mean... Because the Dashwoods were totally about to be invaded by sea serpent. I maybe need to reread that book. <laughs> I think, I think um, I, have we run out of stories? That seems to be why, I, like, there's an adaptation without fail at all times. And things like, not even just, maybe they won't directly adapt from the book, but they'll kind of use that character as a trope. So Mr. Darcy, for example, there'll be characters that exist that are really kind of, internalise are very overt about the fact that they are that character mm-hmm. and they rely on us knowing this mm-hmm. I just think that's quite interesting quite interesting that and th- I read a stat the other day that like for the past 10 well about since 2008 most of the films at least over half the films at the, in, in general released at the box office are either remakes or adaptations mm-hmm. 
that's for like over or sequels or remakes. Sequels are remakes yeah, or yeah, adaptations yeah. rather than any original stories, and I found that well, quite I, interesting. I mean, I think I think it's lazy rather than a lack of storytelling. Yeah, I actually that's think, it. I think your season, um, the the human nature season, you know, the the three yeah. films that you've got set out there. Uh, show that even when you take the kernel of a much older story, the technological world that we live in, you know, Black Mirror um, mm, by Charlie mm. Brooker, then that was on, on telly a few years ago, I think it's just showing that the way we are thinking about stories are perhaps is perhaps not yet, we're, we're maybe holding ourselves back a little bit, but the world around us is, there are so many, like, um, I think one of the best films of the last couple of years in terms of breaking away from that mould was Captain uh, Phillips. Mm. Aside from, okay, there's a white man hero thing that we're not getting into right now but it's telling stories from other parts of the world it's mm. telling I know the main character wasn't from there and all the rest of it but it's there's a I think there's more of a, a movement towards recognizing that there are stories that have never been told and then it's the fear factor that gets studios to go back to making Absolutely. the same thing over mm. you and I I think uh, uh, and Woody before we had a chat about um, independent cinema and, and just how much more brave um, from dialogue and, mm. and characters, like how much more realistic it, it, it is. And I think that's where the disconnect is more than the stories. Actually, it's interesting because The Guardian had an article out um, like a week or two ago which was talking about how uh, you know, the British public sick of foreign language cinema because it's, it should basically not be seen in cinemas. <laughs> like, is like, it ever well, on? <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's it. It's just the fact that I think it's, you know, it's production companies, distributors, you know, exhibition chains, you know, the big, kind of big ones, they just, you know, they want to make the quick dollar. And we're totally fearful as well. So if you've made Delicatessen, then we'll allow you Emily, and then you'll get Micmacs mm. and, yeah. and so on. But if you, but it's almost that thing where you have to have experience for every job before you can go for it, but you can't get a job yeah. to give you experience. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, I think there's that cyclical... Well, let's say you look at any of the, like, the filmmakers that have made like a, a superhero film, like any of the Marvel ones, they've got to the point now where it's just kind of, you know, because they're all origin stories effectively, you know what I mean? Mm. Or they just basically, you know, the next Captain America film is basically a sequel to Avengers, you know what I mean? They just follow on, yeah. but they've just got a different title. Oh my but God. But if you look at all the- The Fantastic Four and Spider-Man that come out brand new with a new origin story every five oh, years. Yes, I may. But if you look at the, the directors and the filmmakers, if you look at the earlier work, They've actually done some quite interesting and exciting stuff. Sorry, the only example I can think of and, is... But they're all like, kind of, like independent, kind of. So. And some of the actors as well, like, you, you yeah. wonder, like, if they weren't tied into these studio contracts, so like, do five, like, superhero films, uh -huh. like, think of the other films that they could be doing, like, um, like Chris, Chris Hemsworth was mm. in... Yeah. The, the racing film. Oh, Rush. Rush, yeah. 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 And that was a really good film. And you want them to be freed up, don't you? Yeah. Like, I mean, look at Andrew but Garfield. He's yeah. in this, but then he was Spider-Man. And do you think that he would have been given four independent films except that he had done Spider-Man? We might be getting half the output, but it might be ha twice as much quality, and the only reason that that's happening is because of visibility. There is obviously like a, a desire from the, the actors, though, to... To do more. Well, the fact that, like, I mean, our, next, our next film, uh, <laughs> next speaking film, of, which has obviously got Scarlett Johansson in the films that you would like in a role that you would never associate Scarlett Johansson with, when you think of like how she's kind of portrayed as like you know, the, the quintessential like Hollywood actress at the moment. I remember Ghost World. I would have said, I would associate with the character, I think they've picked Scarlett 
this kind of temptress in so many different ways. Even though yeah. she, she, but I, I feel like they use it in a really interesting way. Yeah. Um, well, I it's like really there's independent cinema and then there's kind of... Yeah, the different ways of representing just that, Just filming someone on the slide while they're <laughs> rising around Glasgow. In the there's, there's also that kind of candid camera element yeah. under the skin. Yeah. Which I think that, that might have been a reason behind the casting. It's kind of, you know, see how the public, you know... Um, yeah, because kind of, they are the public, a, aren't a, they? Yeah. They didn't know they were being yeah. filmed yeah. until they act, got told last yeah. actor and they got to... That's a pretty interesting conversation as well. Mm. Under it, it, I think it's... I mean, like, I, I think they totally and yet it work, I think it works. Because mm, it misses um, out so much, but maybe that to, it, to its merit, though. Yeah, it, 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 it focuses on a different... It becomes its own angle. film, yeah. then. It's like The American Office becomes its own sitcom. I couldn't sit through um, the English You've one, got so <laughs> the American one didn't stand it. <laughs> I bet I shouldn't have said that, because we've kind of got to wrap up now. <laughs> and then we killed each other, and it was all war and terror and hate. But thank <laughs> you very much for joining us, Neve. Thank and you so much get, for uh, How can people get in touch with you if they want to come to a book club or listen to your podcast? Uh, if people want to come along to a book club, they'll find a calendar and our venues and dates and stuff at leedsbookclub.com. And you can also drop me um, a tweet at, at leedsbookclub. Um, and the podcasts are available on iTunes or via Twitter or the blog. I'm a giant promo queen. It's slaughtered all over you are, the place. You are good. I wish we had as much clarity. You have me now. You're yeah, so good. You <laughs> and Woody's excellent also. <clears throat> yes. Yes. That's Remember very, that very good. Award-winning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so modest. We look in the mirror every day and I say, award I look in the mirror no, every day and go, thank you for not cracking. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us and I hope that you can come to Under the Skin, which will be here on the 19th of March. We usually screen at Ali Mills Industrial Museum, but it's been affected by this pesky floods, so we don't know when we'll be back there. But thank you very much and have a good evening, everybody. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Neve.